This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals. The information presented is for general educational purposes only and should not be used as professional medical advice or for the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions. The views and opinions expressed do not represent the views and opinions of our employer or any affiliated institution. Expressed opinions are based on scientific facts under certain conditions and subject to certain assumptions and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to the diagnosis or treatment of medical conditions or in any legal proceeding. Full terms and conditions can be found at portablebeads.com. And now onto the episode. And welcome to Portable Peds, the Pediatric Board Review Podcast. Today we have a brand new month of content. So every month has a theme, and this month's theme is metabolic disorders. So today we've got a great one for you about glycogen storage. My name's Ryan, and with me today is Sam. Hey guys. So if you haven't listened to us before, we present a case, we talk about the answer choices, and then we talk about why they're right and why they're wrong. So let's just jump right into it. So a two-month-old male infant is born at 39 weeks gestation via a spontaneous vaginal delivery as a home birth, and presents to the ED for respiratory distress. This patient is tachypnic and tachycardic, with global retractions, head bobbing, and grunting. This patient was placed on BiPAP, and a chest x-ray was then obtained, which showed marked cardiomegaly. Subsequent EKG showed left ventricular hypertrophy, and on further examination, patient was noted to have hepatomegaly, macroglossia, and hypotonia. What enzyme is likely deficient in this patient? Is it A, glucose 6-phosphatase? Is it B, acid alpha-glucosidase? Is it C, glycogen debranching enzyme? D, myophosphorylase? Or E, phosphofructokinase? So we'll let you think about it for a sec. If you need to pause it, the case is in the show notes so you can read it yourself. And we'll be back in a sec. All right, so let's talk about the answer choices. So the correct answer for this is B, acid alpha-glucosidase. So Sam, you want to kick us off? Absolutely. So answer choice A, glucose 6-phosphatase is an incorrect answer. So glycogen storage disease type 1A, which is also known as von Guericke disease, is caused by a deficiency of glucose 6-phosphatase activity, whereas type 1B is caused by a defect in the transport of glucose 6-phosphate. This causes glycogen and fat to build up in the liver, kidneys, and intestines, which leads to dysfunction in these organs. Type 1A will present with hypoglycemia, hepatomegaly, lactic acidemia, hyperuricemia, nephromegaly, hyperlipidemia, both total lipids and triglycerides, and growth, retardation, and short stature. Hypoglycemia tends to be the major presenting symptom in infancy, especially when feeds start being spaced every three to four hours, and this may present as seizures due to severe hypoglycemia with levels less than 40 milligrams per deciliter after three to four hours since that last feed. If they do not present for hypoglycemia, they are often diagnosed within the first few months of life when they develop a cushing white face, seen as a doll-like facies with fat cheeks and a protuberant abdomen, which is due to hepatomegaly and nephromegaly. Type 1B additionally presents with neutropenia, impaired neutrophil function, and inflammatory bowel disease. These defects lead to frequent bacterial infections and oral and intestinal mucosal ulcers. For more information on the management of glycogen storage disease type 1, the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics has a great thorough guidelines posted in 2014, which are linked in the references. So let's actually jump to answer choice C, glycogen debranching enzyme, since it's related to answer choice A. 
So a deficiency in this enzyme causes glycogen storage disease type 3, also known as Cori disease or Forbes disease. This disease is inherited as an autosomal recessive trait. This disease presents similarly to glycogen storage disease type 1A, but less severe, with hypoglycemia, hyperlipidemia, hepatomegaly, hypotonia, immunodeficiency, and mild intellectual disability. They also present with myopathy that begins mildly in childhood and worsens throughout early adulthood. These patients are treated with a high-protein diet and cornstarch to maintain a consistent normal blood glucose. So do you want to walk us through answer choice B, which is the correct answer? Yeah. So part of why I made this case Pompe disease as opposed to von Gerke, which is probably going to be the more likely one that you'll see on a test question. But Pompe is important to me just because I have a couple family members who actually had Pompe disease. Um, luckily, both of them did not have the severe form, which we'll talk about in a sec, that they don't typically live past the age of two. But it is something that's important to me, so I just wanted to talk about it here. So answer choice B, acid alpha glucosidase. This enzyme causes Pompe disease. So the enzyme acid alpha glucosidase is sometimes also, you might hear it called acid maltase. It's pretty similar, but the acid alpha glucosidase or GAA is the more common way that you'll see it. And that's why that's the answer choice. But this causes glycogen storage disease type two or Pompe disease. So this disease is also inherited in an autosomal recessive inheritance pattern. So. Basically, whenever you look at Pompe disease, it's typically divided into two different forms. There's the classic infantile form, which is the more severe disease. And then you have the late onset. There's technically a couple different subsets of late onset. There's like childhood, adolescent, adult onset, but they typically lump it all into late onset. So we'll talk about those and delineate those out for you. So in the classic infantile form of Pompe disease, like I said, this causes a more severe disease where the infants typically present within the first three months of life with feeding difficulties, poor weight gain, cardiomyopathy, like in this case, hepatomegaly, macroglossia, and a progressively worsening proximal muscle weakness. And this eventually leads to hypotonia and respiratory insufficiency. So the cardiomyopathy is actually due to deposition of glycogen in the cardiac muscle, and this often causes a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, although sometimes you can also get a dilated cardiomyopathy component as well. The median age at symptom onset is about 1.6 months, with the median age at diagnosis of about 5 months of age. These patients often need positive pressure support or mechanical ventilation, like in this case where he was on BiPAP, and they typically need this by about four to five months of age, and they typically die of cardiorespiratory failure by age two. Now, the late onset form of Pompe disease can really develop at any age, and this is due to deficiency of the acid alpha-glucosidase enzyme, as opposed to a complete absence of the enzyme in the infantile form. So because of this, these patients often live past two years of life. And typically, if you present with symptoms earlier in life, it tends to be more aggressive with a faster progression and higher disease severity. These patients also have progressive muscle weakness and eventually become wheelchair and or ventilator dependent before eventually dying of respiratory failure, typically due to diaphragmatic weakness with their progressive muscle weakness. So in Ohio, every child is actually screened for Pompe disease as part of their newborn screen at birth. So this patient was actually born at home, which was an intentional part of the question stem. So they did not likely have a newborn screen done and therefore went undiagnosed. So on the Ohio Department of Health website, they make this specific disclaimer that the test for lysosomal storage diseases has not been cleared or approved by the FDA, but the performance characteristics have been validated by the Ohio Department of Health Laboratory. And it says specifically, if you listened, it said lysosomal storage disease. So there is some overlap with Pompeii as to whether or not it's glycogen storage versus lysosomal storage. But for our purpose, we're lumping it in with glycogen storage, which is typically how it's kind of presented on test questions. 
So I specifically used Ohio's newborn screen as part of the question and discussion here because that's the state we're recording in here. Uh, Sam and I are residents in Ohio. So uh, whatever state you're in in the United States of America, they might, they may or may not use Pompeii disease as part of their newborn screen. So just check with your state uh, Department of Health to see if it's on your newborn screen. But on a positive note, Pompeii disease can actually be treated. It's really the only one in the glycogen storage diseases that has an enzyme replacement therapy, currently at least, whenever we're recording this in 2021. But you can actually replace this with alglucosidase alpha. So there's a couple different brand names for it. There's Myozyme and Lumazyme. So Myozyme was the first brand name drug approved by the FDA in the United States. This was approved in 2006 for infantile Pompeii, whereas Lumazyme was approved in 2010. But this was only for patients aged 8 or older with non-infantile Pompeii. So these drugs have actually been shown to decrease heart size, maintain normal heart function, and improve muscle function, along with tone and strength, and actually reduce glycogen buildup in these organs. So patients that receive this, it's a four-hour infusion received every two weeks. But now we talk about the downsides, which is that these medications are ludicrously expensive. So Lumazyme and Myozyme are multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. And typically, once you start this medication, you're on it for life. So it's a large monetary investment. However, it is treating your debilitating disease. So risks and benefits. Yeah. And I think it's one of those conversations that just has to be quality of life um, and a risk benefit profile. So let's wrap out these final two answer choices, which are a little bit different from the other ones. So really we have three major chunks of glycogen storage we talk about in the answer choices. So there's type one, which we already talked about with Von Gerke, and then type three, which is pretty similar with Corey and Forbes disease. So type 1 and type 3 have hepatomegaly and hypoglycemia, of which this patient did not have hypoglycemia, making it less likely in the question stem. Type 2 has cardiomegaly, and it's there are some glycogen storage diseases that can get cardiomegaly, but Pompeii is the classic one you think of when you see cardiomegaly in a question stem. Your mind should go to Pompeii disease. And then the final answer choices are really more of a skeletal muscular involvement, and this is going to be talking about glycogen storage disease type 5 and type 7. So these are the final two answer choices. So answer choice D, myophosphorylase, this is talking about glycogen storage disease type 5, also known as McArdle's disease. So this is caused by a deficiency of myophosphorylase. These patients tend to develop symptoms within the first decade of life, and it primarily involves the skeletal muscular system. And this is typically presented as exercise intolerance, myalgias, and rapid fatigue with exertion. So these patients may develop muscle stiffness and contractures during exercise, especially towards the beginning of exercise, and these symptoms typically resolve or decrease at least upon stopping the activity. So if you get labs on these patients, they'll typically reveal an elevated creatinine kinase or a CK and myoglobinuria. Symptoms tend to worsen with sustained intense aerobic exercise. So management of these patients typically consists of leading a fairly sedentary lifestyle with at least some mild regular aerobic exercise for health. All right, and to tie it all up for the end, Sammy, you wanna finish this out with the last answer choice? Absolutely. So answer choice E, phosphofructokinase, actually one of my favorite words in medicine, is involved in glycogen storage disease type 7, which is Tarot disease. And so that's another glycogen storage disorder that's passed along in an autosomal recessive pattern, primarily affects skeletal muscles. However, this disease has four forms. Depending on the form, the patient may have additional symptoms such as nausea and vomiting, hyperuricemia, curvature of the joints, also known as arthrogryposis, which I saw for the first time in the NICU this month, actually. It was so interesting. Um, and jaundice due to hemolytic anemia. Diagnosis can be made by muscle biopsy, which would also show an elevated ammonia and decreased lactate. So thanks for walking through all those answers with us. I know there was a lot of 
intense words, intense enzymes, but they're so important and overboard. So hopefully you guys can listen to this a couple times over, really get it to stick because these are ones that's just rote memorization. So that'll actually wrap up the first of three cases for metabolic disorders this month. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't visited our social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Portable Peds, and every weekday we post high-yield takeaways from that week's case to reinforce the content. We also have a website, www.portablepeds.com, where we have all of our cases and discussions written out for you to review, along with all of our references. And finally, we'd love to give a huge shout-out to Zach Goldman for designing all of our fantastic artwork. His information is also in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.